Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, hello. I love that this part took this long. Like... I feel like we've gone such a long way before. It's like you couldn't even say hi. Everything was from a distance. And I'm so grateful to be able to witness this, to be able to see everyone rejoicing and loving on each other together this Sunday morning. I want to take a moment to just say to Koto that that's so beautiful that you're able to stand here on this stage and share part of your story. Uh, Hartway is such a special place. It's a place that we all get to share our story. We all have a story, right? And this place that we have created with Danny's leadership is such a blessing. Last Sunday, I was able to share my testimony and my story, and I'm so grateful to have such a safe space where I'm able to do that. And that's truly what we want to do for you all here is create a safe space where you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to try to forget what you've gone through, but instead you can be grateful for what you've been through and where you are today through God, right? So today we're going to start here with centering prayer. I'm going to lead you into it. And if you haven't done it before, I'm not going to tell you that it's not hard or that it's easy. It's just allowing yourself a moment of time to be with yourself and to be with God. It's more of you accepting that you yourself deserve to have a moment of stillness, to fill yourself up with God's love in that moment. That's what we're doing here. So we're going to start by closing our eyes, just so we're not distracted by anything. I want you to allow your shoulders to slightly come down, unclench your jaw, and we begin by taking a nice deep breath, slowly inhaling, filling up your belly, and gently exhaling, releasing all of the air. Again, we slowly inhale, Really fill up from the diaphragm, big belly, allowing that breath to rise. Then slow release, exhales. I want you to imagine every time you inhale, you're creating space within yourself. You're opening yourself up so that as you exhale, you can sink deeper into God's embrace, into God's love. You allow the tension to release within the body. You no longer feel any pains or aches. You allow the body to be light. 
we release the tensions within the mind, letting go of all the unserving thoughts, all of our limiting beliefs, we release them here. We instead welcome God's words, God's love, God's energy. You allow yourself to sink even deeper within, not attaching to anything that happened before this moment, letting go of all that you experienced, and honoring yourself enough to be present in this very moment, connected with your breath, connected with your soul so that you can commune with God in this moment so that you can be filled up with all of his love reminding yourself of all the purpose within you of all the worthiness that you have Recognizing that God has already forgiven you for all that you've done and all that you will do. So allow yourself to be even lighter now. There is nothing left to worry. God is in control. He is guiding you. Move out of the way. Allow God to lead you, lead you back to yourself, to your truth, to the light within you that we all share. By letting go of the mind, letting go of all the thoughts that go in and out. Allow yourself to release, to sink, another deep breath slowly inhaling really filling up gently exhaling releasing all of the air take a moment to notice the peace that you're feeling the stillness that you have created Remind yourself that this, this peace, this love, this is your true state of being. It's not found outside of yourself. It is not found in others. It is not found in your job, in money, in any worldly thing. For it is found deep within yourself. The deeper you go within, the more joy you will experience, the more love you will feel, the more truth you will truly see. 
Let's take another deep breath. I want this one to be slow, really filling up, feeling like you're breathing through a straw. And then vocal. Again, slowly inhaling at your own pace. Vocal. Release. Allow this peace to stay with you. Allow your body to stay this light. Allow yourself to continue to be this open so that you can receive all that God has for you. Gently bring the awareness back into yourself. And when you are ready, you'll gently blink the eyes open. My friends, may peace and love always be with you. Amen and so much love. Happy Sunday, everybody. Good morning. How you doing? Everyone good? Chilling? Any plans later? Dolphin game? Who are they playing? Are they good? The Dolphins are kind of getting back a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I know. I know. We've been saying that for a long time, man. Jeez. Rough. Anything else? News? I, I just want you to talk for a little bit. No, nothing? Hi, Wanda. Some OG uh, Heartway people here. Got Carlos, the salsa master. Come on, bro. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? Raphael, our guy who just said that's the best salsa instructor. You know, he's been single for a little while, and he was honest with me. He's like, Danny, you know, I don't know, man. I, I've been at Heartway for a while, and I don't really see any prospects here for me. You know, it's just not working out. And I'm like, and, and so he's like, so, you know, I'm going to go to salsa. Maybe after like two months, finds a girlfriend. Beautiful woman sitting next to him. So for a little while, I was getting some of the guys. I was like, we may have to go to salsa class next week, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'll invite y'all if I go, man. It's going to be funny. Oh, my. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I'm very happy that you're here. Obviously, when we get together like this, a lot of people come to these kind of spaces in search for something, right? We're searching for joy, for happiness, for peace, for some sense of lightheartedness and laughter and hope. And we begin this search by looking outside of ourselves. And we believe and think that God is outside of ourselves. And so hope is outside of us and peace is outside of us and happiness is outside of us. And I gotta just go somewhere to find it and grab it and get it. When the reality of it is, you, as you are, already contain 
all of the potential to experience this kind of life and you don't got to go searching for it anywhere because God is in you. You are a sacred space that contains the divine nature. You participate in the very nature of God. The scripture begins by telling us we were made in the image and likeness of God. A lot of us, a lot of us don't operate in the likeness of God, but we're still in the image of God. And so when we get together here, we're kind of sharpening our, our sword a little bit and getting our tools ready so that we can walk in the likeness. So we can be what we already are. And that's what the spiritual journey is. You are becoming what you already are. You're not becoming something that you're not. You're becoming who and what you already are. You're just not aware of it. You just don't know it yet. You haven't realized your deepest and truest essence, who you are in God. And so today I want to talk about how we can hone in on that a little bit, how we can tap into our true nature as those who have been created in the divine image, those who have been made to love. And so the title of my message today is Perfecting Your Spiritual Practice. It's going to be very simple, but I hope that this comes across in a way that can be impactful and that can enable you to truly live out this stuff. Because it's one thing to hear the words, it's one thing to read the words, it's another thing to put it into application. And the fun actually starts when you put it into application, as difficult as that process can be. Because I know it can be challenging. But all of us know individuals who have perfected their respective crafts, right? Like for myself as a communicator, I love to study other communicators that in my estimation are experts in their craft. If you're an athlete, you know, you study, you look up to certain individuals who have perfected their particular sport. If you're an actor, you study people who have perfected their acting skills. Well, to perfect something doesn't mean now all of a sudden you're flawless, no error. No more room for correction and adjustment. No. To perfect something simply means that you are operating at the maximum capacity, that you are fulfilling your potential in a particular area. And that's always changing and evolving. There's a psychologist by the name of Malcolm Gladwell who said it takes 10,000 hours of deliberate practice to become a master at a particular skill, which tells us what? Mastery of anything is gonna involve a lot of hard work, a lot of practice, a lot of devotion, a lot of discipline, a lot of energy, and a whole lot of intentionality. And it's fascinating to me that Jesus' contemporaries actually referred to him at times as a master. Look at what it says in the Gospel of Mark, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. And the blind man said to him, Master, let me receive my sight. That word master in the Greek is also the word for rabbi, which means teacher. And that's what Jesus was. He was a master teacher. He was an expert in matters of spiritual understanding and spiritual wisdom. And so those who followed Jesus were called his disciples. 
A disciple is a learner. To be a disciple is to be an apprentice. An apprentice is somebody who trains underneath somebody who is an expert at their particular craft. And so if you want to master anything, whether it's salsa, whether it's speaking, whether it's whatever uh, you do as a hobby or your talent is, if you want to master anything, it's going to involve having this mindset of apprenticeship, which means you're always a beginner. You're always learning. You're always growing. You're never arriving. You're very curious. You're listening very intently. You're studying. You're putting into practice. This is why it's important for us to decipher what it is that we actually want out of life. We have all this energy within us. What are we going to put this towards? What would it look like if we put this energy towards spiritual training and development? What would it look like if we could hone and refine and perfect our spiritual vision, our spiritual understanding? In order to do this, it's going to take wholehearted commitment. This has to be your singular aim. The song that we sang earlier, I forget the lyrics exactly. Maybe y'all can remind me. But it said, this is the one thing I desire. What's the rest of that? And only this I seek to be a living fire consumed completely. <laughs> Everybody laughing at me. The podcast listeners can't hear what she said. Okay, thank you. But, <laughs> but you get it. This one thing I desire, one thing I desire to be consumed completely. That is the attitude that is necessary, especially when it comes to spiritual growth and transformation. This can't just be another thing that you like to do on the side alongside of other things that are just as, if not more important. No, it has to be your number one devotion. So do you want this? It's not a bad thing if you don't, but you gotta decide what you want. If you want the world, if you want the pleasures of this world, get it. They're yours for the taking. If you want God, you already got God. You can have it. It's yours for the taking. But you can't have both. This is why Jesus said you can't love God and money. You can't have God and the world. To cling to one is to release and let go of the other. So you can have the world. Go. But you're going to have to let go of God. You can have God. Go for it all the way. But you're going to have to let go of the world. And at first it feels like I'm letting go of everything. Eventually you come to realize, no, no, no. I literally am trading nothing for everything. <laughs> but, it, the, but it doesn't feel like that at first. It takes a certain kind of crazy to take this step, though. No, it's just the reality of it. There's a reason why. I mean, it's different in our day, but... You know, people who had these kind of conversations in the past, people who were spiritually inclined, people who devoted their lives to God. If you read the scriptures, they were persecuted. 
They were made fun of. They were excluded. Oftentimes, for whatever reason, they were put to death because they were saying things that challenged the status quo. People in power didn't like that there were teachers who were telling others to let go of all that stuff. It doesn't matter. So folks like us would get in trouble. You got to be willing to look like a fool in front of other people if you're going to do the whole God thing. The reality of it is the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. So everybody's out here pursuing money and pursuing success and pursuing power. But we're here saying, no, no, it's empty. It's empty. It's vanity. It's nothing. Nothing bad about it. But is that really what you want to devote your life to? Having a certain image, presenting yourself in a certain way. The facade, the mask that we all wear, the beautiful Instagram so everyone can see how wonderful our life is, when in reality you're miserable on the inside. You've got to be willing to be a fool. It takes a certain kind of crazy, but we're all crazy already. I'd rather be this kind of crazy that at least brings me some peace instead of the other kind of crazy that makes it seem like my life is amazing when in reality it's not. You know, in the first century world that Jesus lived in, spirituality and society were so intertwined. Uh, the temples were considered to be like the center of the city's life. Religion and politics were, were together because these people in the ancient world knew that there was a deeper dimension to life and existence. And that unless we get in touch with this transcendent dimension of our existence, we won't be able to order ourselves relationally and socially in a proper manner. So we've got to tap into spirit. This is the bigger picture that can hold us all together. It's like the glue. It gives us, it gives us a larger framework for our existence that holds us together in, in commonality. Even though we have so many different uh, paths in life that we can take, so many different interests that we have, so many different viewpoints and ideologies, God is a bigger picture. It's crazy how God tends to be the, the, the divisive thing nowadays in so many ways because it's my religion against your religion. My church is better than your church. This doctrine and belief is better than that doctrine and belief. But God is supposed to be the great unifier beyond doctrine, beyond belief, beyond church, beyond religion. Love. Love. The one thing that can bind us all together. We live in a culture today where matters of spirituality have been relegated to the periphery. This is not central to people's lives and existence. A lot of people could care less about it. Why? Because there's so much that's, that's vying for our attention. The money, the power, the success, the fame, all, all of these things promise us the world. None of them deliver. Only one thing delivers, God. God comes through with his promise to bring the joy, to bring the fulfillment, to bring the peace. And your relationship to your creator, to your source, is the core out of which everything in your life actually flows, which is why you putting God first 
isn't like a burden or a hindrance to the other stuff that you're trying to get done with your life. No, you have the purpose that you have and the calling that you have and the desires that you have to fulfill what God has designed for you to fulfill in that field, in that arena. So if you get that right first, it only enhances all of the work that you're trying to do. You will be a better businessman. You will be a better entrepreneur because now you're going to fill everything that you do with the love of God. And it's going to have such a deeper meaning and purpose than it does for you now if all you care about is selfish gain. So the scriptures say, guard your heart above all else because from it flows the springs of life. That's what spirituality is about. Spirituality is just about getting in touch with your heart, connecting to your heart center, connecting to love. Everything that you say and do in life is affected by how connected or disconnected you are to your heart. And so Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added to you. Everything else will be added to you. Why? Because when you really start to put into practice and master this art of love and flow and surrender, life automatically starts falling into place in ways that you could have never imagined or done for yourself. I love when wonderful things happen and I say to people, I didn't plan this. I couldn't even have done this if I planned, tried to plan it. This is literally all God, not me. Anybody ever felt like that before? Of course. Of course we have. Life is always falling into place. It always has been falling into place. You've just had a problem with the placement. <laughs> but even when life is falling apart, it's falling into place. And spiritual mastery is about learning how to accept the way that God arranges and constantly rearranges your life. Always changing, always evolving, but always exactly what it needs to be. To embrace your life as it is. Better believe that takes work. You better believe that's going to take devotion and discipline and practice to meet reality face to face, even with the darkness and the suffering and the pain and the heartache and the hardship. And to say, this too is good. It is good for me that this is happening. I'm happy that things are the way that they are because things are the way that God wants them to be. And if this is how God wants it, it's how I want it. It's, it's just aligning your will with God's will. That's all I ever talk about, people. I hope you don't get tired of it, but this takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime of us hearing it and putting it into practice to experience the benefit of it. So you seek first the kingdom. Everything else is added to you. I want to read to you this passage of scripture from the book of Philippians. And I want you to notice this phrase, the next slide, Dan. Oh, excuse me, Second Peter. For this very reason, look at this phrase, make every effort. 
Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to add to goodness knowledge and to add to knowledge self-control and to add to self-control perseverance and to add to perseverance godliness and to add to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. So this is possible, but you've got to make every effort to make it so. What does that look like for you? That's something that only you can answer for yourself. But it takes every effort that we've got. First John, I love this one. It says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected. In us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So you're telling me that I can perfect the art of love just like I can perfect any other skill? Yes, you can. You can perfect this. The journey of a lifetime, but you do it one step at a time. Next passage of scripture. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. So if you're going to train for something, if you're going to put effort into something, why not this? And don't get scared by the word godliness. Godliness means love. Because God is love, so to be godly is to be loving. So you got to train for it. Life is your school. Everything is your practice. How can you train yourself in love unless you're in a situation when you're with somebody that is uh, difficult for you to love right now? is the only way and we run away from these situations but God's saying oh, this is exactly where I need you Amen. this is exactly where I want you this is your school your husband your wife your boyfriend your girlfriend they're your teacher oh, oh no. damn <laughs> damn your child your kids they're your Teachers, oh my God, that's how this thing is set up. Now I get it. Now I see where people are. I don't want nothing to do with this, man. I'm out. Yes. How are you going to develop yourself in patience? Unless you're in a situation where you wish things were further along than they actually are right now. Now is the time for you to practice your patience. You can't practice it any other way. How are you gonna practice forgiveness? Well, forgiveness can only be possible when you feel like you've been hurt. When you feel like somebody betrayed you. When you feel like somebody stabbed you in the back. Oh, practice, 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 practice. Practice makes perfect. See how it all ties together? Practice, practice, practice. 
So for me, my practice is very simple. Anytime that I'm in a state of disequilibrium, anytime that I feel stress or emotional heaviness, that is my time to go within and start asking myself some questions about what it is that I am believing right now about this person or situation that I'm in. I start to challenge the truthfulness of my narratives. So in my world, every unloving thought is untrue. That's my baseline that I operate with. And I love to see the pettiness that still lives inside of me. I welcome it, I love it. Cause it's like, oh, there's more work to do. There's more knots to untangle. Listen, the ego has to have a right to live. It's just gotta feel safe. You haven't allowed your ego to, to feel safe with you because you're so judgmental and critical and harsh with yourself. Especially if you're on this spiritual journey, you start putting these expectations on yourself about who you think you need to be and how you need to operate. Well, I need to be very calm and zen-like in all circumstances. No, you don't. No. If you're petty, be petty. But you know what you got to do with it, right? I mean, because if you remain petty, you're only going to cause more suffering to yourself. So whenever I see that in me in any type of way, okay, with grace, with patience, with compassion, with a whole lot of self-love, what is going on here, Danny? Who and what are you trying to control? Right? Like, what thought are you believing that is not true? What are you projecting into this circumstance from a place of insecurity? And that's your work. This is deeply personal, individual work. Only you can do it. And it is work because you are being honest with yourself, 110% honest with yourself about why you are the way that you are. And so are you gonna come across difficult people? Absolutely. Is it gonna be challenging? Yes. But ultimately, you are your own challenge. Nobody else needs to be blamed for the way that you feel. If you wanna heal, you take responsibility for the way that you're feeling, for what you're thinking and believing. This is what spiritual practice is. Another way to think about it, what's my practice? Release, surrender. Releasing and surrendering over and over and over and over again. Look at how the scriptures put it in the New Testament. All that matters is faith expressed through love. So you don't even got to worry about anything else other than this. This is your spiritual practice that you are here on this earth to perfect. Faith expressing itself through love, it's literally the only thing that matters. I define faith as trusting in the way things are. Faith, trusting in the way things are. Love, to see yourself in others. 
to see others in you, to see no separation between you and another person. Not just to see the body, the beliefs, but to see the heart of another human, to see their soul. If you're not connected to yours, you won't be able to see there. So it, start, it starts here first. But this is all it is. It's faith expressing itself through love. And yes, at first, when you're trying to learn how to walk for the first time, you're going to be unstable. It's going to be difficult. But the more that you put this into practice, you practice forgiveness. You practice love. Again, all of life is your school. This whole thing is your practice. Some of y'all, as soon as you leave here, you're going to get a text, you're going to get a phone call, or you're going to come home to some mess. And the way you internalize that is, oh, this is my practice. And this has nothing to do with the other person. It's about what's going on in here. Because I promise you, there have been individuals who have been through hell and back with a smile on their face, with the peace of God in their heart that surpasses all understanding, with a joy that cannot be explained. It's possible. Little by little by little. And the more you practice, eventually, this just becomes your, it just becomes natural for you to do this. Right now, it, it may feel weird because you're still the, uh, I should know this, but what, it, what is it that, that comes out of the, uh, the cocoon? Oh, yeah, the caterpillar? It's a caterpillar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're the caterpillar, okay, coming out of the cocoon. The butterfly, yeah, yeah, you're a butterfly. You're a butterfly. Oh, my God. No, you know what it is? Oh, I was saying it right. Yeah, I'll perfect it later. No, you know what's crazy? I'll tell this story. It's, just, it's, just, it's uh, not related at all to this, but... Last year for, for a couple months, I don't know how I got into this, but I started like gardening. It was like a little side hustle thing, right? It was like this, this place nearby here on Orange Drive. And I show up and it's this dude, very interesting guy. That's all I'm going to leave it at. And he was training me to, to, to tend this garden. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to shadow him. And I'll be your helper because I don't know how to do any of this. That man tells me that he's leaving to Ecuador or something the next day and that I'm in charge. I said, sir, no, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, just send me videos and do all this stuff. So I'm like, okay. And in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Instead of being hesitant with this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it. I'm going to act like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I remember that he told me that you get like this fertilizer thing and you put it on the plants so that the bugs won't eat the plants, okay? So I got the fertilizer and I'm spraying it, listening to my uh, music and the iPod, spraying all the things, and I start sending him pictures. I'm like, hey, bro, there's this uh, caterpillar that's on one of these plants and it's, it's eating it, so I sprayed it like double. And he sends, I sent him this video and I'm smiling in it. And, and this guy goes, no, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? You told me to fertilize it. He says, Bro, we put those plants there specifically for the caterpillars because those caterpillars are going, the butterflies are going extinct and we're trying to help them. And I killed them. <laughs> Poor caterpillar. Sometimes it doesn't work out for the caterpillar. 
you may not become the beautiful butterfly in this lifetime, okay? It's fine. It wasn't meant to be. But look, you know, some of y'all are in that, in that phase, you know, and you're, and you're emerging. Something new is emerging, and it's difficult, and it's challenging. But the more that you devote yourself to this, the more natural it becomes. And when I talk about spiritual perfection, by the way, this has nothing to do with morality and rule keeping and behaving well. This is a matter of the heart. It's about your mindset, your vision, your perception. Spiritual perfection is actually the total acceptance of imperfection. So that the perfect is seen as imperfect and the imperfect is seen as perfect, the two become one. So that now when you look at the imperfections within yourself, you see them as perfect imperfections. That's actually what this is about. That's what spiritual mastery is about. Because if you can see the imperfections within yourself as perfect imperfections, now when you see the imperfections in other people, you're going to see those as perfect imperfections too. And you release yourself of this burden to have to save everybody, to have to save the world, to try and change people and fix them. No, you're only concerned with faith expressing itself through love. Love is about understanding. That's it. And so that approach changes the way that you relate to everybody and everything to the point where there was a Chinese philosopher who was once asked, his name is Lao Tzu, do you want to improve this world? And he said, it's impossible. Can't be done. I want to read to you this wonderful poem that he wrote in the Tao Te Ching. Do you want to improve the world? I don't think it can be done. The world is sacred. It can't be improved. If you tamper with it, you'll ruin it. If you treat it like an object, you'll lose it. There's a time for being ahead, a time for being behind, a time for being in motion, a time for being at rest, a time for being vigorous, a time for being exhausted, a time for being safe, a time for being in danger. The master sees things as they are without trying to control them. She lets them go their own way and resides at the center of the circle. Those are powerful words. There's another Zen teacher who has this wonderful quote. He says, each of you are perfect just the way you are, and you can use a little improvement. <laughs> I like that. That's the way to go. You are perfect just the way you are, and get better. <laughs> but that's, this is the paradox that we must learn how to hold intention because both of these statements are true. Both of these statements are true. This constant improvement and growth and evolution, this spiritual progression, it's gonna take a lot of work and devotion and discipline. However, if you never were to change one iota from now into the moment of your death, you are still already perfect in the sight of God. And you've got to know that. Jesus said, my burden is, is easy. My, my yoke is light. Don't, don't make this heavier on yourself than it needs to be when we talk about being the most loving version of ourselves and connecting to the heart and compassion and forgiveness and patience. It can sound like 
so unrealistic and difficult. Don't make this harder on yourself than you need to. No, no, no. Yoke is easy. The burden is light. You're perfect just as you are. And every step of your evolution, you are exactly where you need to be. Every step of your evolution, you are exactly where you need to be. Let me read you this quote here from an Eastern Orthodox monk. Very good words. Oh, never mind. Let me, this one's first. Wait, go back to this one. I forgot this. Okay, this is a, um, an Indian teacher. Her name was Ma. And she said this very simple and profound statement, the rest is the work. What does that mean? It takes a lot of work to learn how to rest in a simple faith. It takes a lot of work to learn how to rest in God with a childlike trust. But the rest is the work. It takes a lot of effort to begin to live effortlessly. But this is what we're doing. We're putting effort towards learning how to live effortlessly because we're relying and depending totally on God's grace. The rest is the work. That's what we're doing. We are just training ourselves to learn how to rest in the goodness of God and in the love of God. Philippians, sorry, I have you all over the place. I have a million slides. Look at this one. Work out the salvation that God has given you with a proper sense of awe and responsibility. For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. So notice, we work because God first has worked within us. It's important to capture this because if you don't, you start to develop something called a spiritual ego. You start becoming righteous in your own eyes. You think that you're superior to other people. You think you're better to other people because I've done all this inner work. I'm healing and they're not healing. I've done so much work to be where I am right now. That's how we talk. You know this. <laughs> I've just done so much work and like, oh my God. And you're better than everyone and you're more superior and you're just an amazing person for all the work you've done. No. <laughs> That's not the way it goes. You work because God is at work in you. Why do we desire what we desire as human beings? Think about this. I was talking to Ryan about this in the gym. Human beings are ruled by their desires. And we don't really choose what it is that we desire. We just desire what we desire because we desire it. And sometimes, a lot of times, our desires change. What we desire one moment is not what we desire the next moment. Anybody ever dated somebody and then you look back after you haven't been with them for a couple years and you're like, what? What? How did I desire them? That don't make no sense. But at that time, they were your world. <laughs> Gotta have it. We're ruled by our desires, but we don't even know why we desire the things that we desire. I, I want this. Why? Because I just want it. And now I want this. Why? Because I just 
want it. So you can choose whatever you desire, but you cannot choose what is desirable to you. You simply desire what it is that you desire. Why do I say all of this? Because when it comes to spiritual desire, why do you desire God? Is that something that you can take credit for? You know how many people live, exist, and die without even an inkling of of concern for matters of God and spirituality? They don't desire this. This is exactly what they don't desire. But for some reason, here you are asking questions about life and existence and spirituality, pursuing God. Grace, what a gift. What a gift. That's my point. What a gift that you happen to desire this, which brings fulfillment and satisfaction like nothing else in this world. This isn't because of you. We desire God because God has first desired us. We love God because God has first loved us. And the fact that you have this spiritual desire within you to become like God, to become like Christ, is evidence that this uh, uh, wisdom of God, this, this life of God is already emerging from within you. You were already on this path before you knew you were on it. Everything about your life has been leading up to this. Even when you were in the dark and you didn't even know, God was already working in you long before you started to do your work. And so there's nothing to be proud about. And it's like it says in the New Testament, if I'm going to boast about anything, it's going to be my weaknesses. That's what I'll boast about. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Get yourself out of the way. That's all it is. So the way that you prevent yourself from developing this spiritual ego is by recognizing that all of your progress on the spiritual path is a result of God's grace, not your own efforts. And so, yes, we put in the effort and we put in the work, but eventually you have to surrender that too. And the attitude becomes in a total humility. This is not my doing. It is God's doing in me. It's God doing this in me. One last uh, quote here. We have within us deeply rooted weaknesses, passions, and defects. This cannot all be cut out with one sharp motion, but with patience persistence, care, and attention. The path leading to perfection is long. Pray to God so that he will strengthen you. Patiently accept your falls. And having stood up, immediately run to God, not remaining in that place where you have fallen. Do not despair if you keep falling into your old sins. Many of them are strong because they have received the force of habit. Only with the passage of time and with fervor will they be conquered. So good. Patience with yourself. One last little story about a young man who was going into a monastery. He was training to be a monk. And in the monasteries, they would really devote themselves to a particular lifestyle so that they can grow closer to God. I mean, this was their singular aim and their wholehearted commitment. And so this 
young man enters into the monastery and he asks one of the elders, what, how long will it take if I meditate every day, if I pray every day with a lot of devotion, how long will it take for me to become enlightened? And the elder said, 10 years. And then the young man said, okay, well, what if I, what if I meditate twice a day for twice as long? And I really put a whole lot of work into this. How long will it take me to be in lion? The teacher said, 20 years. Then he said, okay, all right. Well, what if this is all I do all day? I just met it. I'm not even going to eat. I'm just going to fast and pray all day. How long will it take me to become enlightened? The master said, 30 years. And he said, what? I don't understand this. Every time I say that I'm going to work harder, and meditate more and pray more. You tell me it's going to take longer. Why? And the elder said, well, if you have one eye on the goal, you're only going to have one eye on the path. And you need both eyes on the path. The point of that is, don't focus too much on who you're trying to become. Let the outcomes be what they are. Don't burden yourself with all of these expectations about who you think you should be. I've got to act super spiritual and calm and like I have it all together and I have peace and joy in my heart. And then when you aren't like that, you feel like you have to hide it or you feel guilt and shame. And now you're living in this facade and you're beating yourself up because you're not living up to this high standard that you gave to yourself. No, 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 no. Just look down at the path that you're on. Let the path and the process be the point. Love this version of yourself. Accept this version of yourself and let God worry about whatever change and transformation needs to happen on God's timetable. And if you work on perfecting your spiritual practice, God will work on perfecting you. And this is where I get hope. It's a passage of scripture from the book of Philippians that says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ. So notice who begins the work? God, not you. And notice who completes the work? God, not you. So this is why we call it grace. It's grace all the way through. Enjoy the ride with all the ups and downs. You're just as spiritual as you need to be. Don't try and make it anymore. Just focus on faith expressing itself through love. Surrender, releasing, letting go. God's going to take care of the rest. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that in this space we get to come and, and practice. In this space, we get to hear these words of life and love and wisdom and truth. May you, by your spirit, enable us to put them into practice so that as we do so, your life can emerge within us. The fullness of our potential can be lived out and experienced and lives can be healed and touched as a result of it. We ask for you to continue to work in our lives Finish the work that you've started. May we not take credit for any of the progress. It's not because of our effort, even though we're going to put in effort. It's not because of our discipline, even though we're going to put in the discipline. It is because of you and your love 
that we are who we are, that we desire what we desire, and that we're on the trajectory that we are on. And so we're so grateful, so grateful, God. Help this light that is in us shine into the lives of others so that they can come to know you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, everybody, we did it. Man, I told Mario it was going to be a short sermon today. This one was long, dude. All right, well, you guys stayed and listened. So. All right. Love you. Have a great rest of the week.